Hey, homies. I'm Katie. I'm Sydney. And this is Something Sick. We are trying out the name homies. Yeah. For our fans, because Katie really likes to say it. Yeah. It was my (laughs) mid-quarantine mental break, I think. Every night, we... Either I go into Katie's room or she goes into mine and we say, night, homie. With a peace sign. Yep. That's our thing. So that's a little. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah. We can't think of anything else that we want to call our fans. No. So. And I don't like fam. No. Or anything. We're really white. Yeah. <laughs> to try and sound cool in any way. Yeah. Well, anyways. Also, there's thunder. So if you can hear that, I deeply apologize. It'll add to the spookiness because this week we're talking about a haunted place. But first, we have to talk about this because I was watching an episode when I was researching for this and the investigator Nick Groff from Paranormal Lockdown was saying that most people die between 3 and 4 a.m. Which can I just say? I work at a coffee shop. I am awake at 3 a.m. all the time. I thought he was kidding. And then I looked it up. I just Googled it. And it was like, yes, Harvard Medical has confirmed most deaths do occur between 3 and 5 a.m., like especially in the hospitals. Like, I just, I really hate knowing that. It's because your body apparently is the most vulnerable at that time. So, like, if you're already not doing well, Uh, you're just not going to make it. Like, that's just terrible. It's so, really I mean, creepy. Think about that next time you wake up in the middle of the night I at hate 3 a.m. <laughs> Maybe your body is like panicking. Ah. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, no. <laughs> so that messed me up. That's going to be fun next time I have to wake up at 3 in the morning. In a couple days from now. Ah. <laughs> Anyways. So what, we, what are we talking about? We're going back to the spooky stuff. We did a few weeks of true crime. Mm-hmm. And now we're back. And I'm going to tell you about Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Ah. And honestly, like, I've always heard about this place. But the one episode of a TV show that we love to watch is Destination Fear. It's our favorite show. And I'll talk about it at the end, I think. We're going to end on a good note. Yeah. But we rewatched the episode and I was like, "This, this makes me want to talk about it and research it. Heck yeah. It's very interesting. It's more, the history is a little different than Waverly in that there's a lot of there's more murder and mm-hmm. stuff and not just people dying of yeah. illness but Tell are you me. ready I'm so ready okay so trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum sits on exactly 666 acres of land with 13 buildings that's so oh my gosh in the heart of West Virginia and today the asylum is one of the most haunted buildings in the country so spooky Despite what the location has become, it was built originally to be an encouraging development for patients with mental illness. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the background because the intent behind the building was really like the heart of it was to do better for people with mental illness. But it turned into more of a bad thing, mostly because of overcrowding, because mental Mm -hmm. illness became something that people didn't want to deal with. And that, I think, ended up making it what it was. But anyway, 
So before asylums and hospitals were built to treat those with mental illnesses, people with serious mental diseases were placed in prisons with no clothes and chained to walls and not taken care of. And those people were often without family and that they didn't, those people, their families did not want to take responsibility for them. They were often hidden. And if they did have families, they were hidden in attics or even holes in the ground, I found. I'm sorry, what? Their families would hide them away in holes in the ground. Like like a cellar or just like a hole? I don't know. It just said hole. Oh my gosh. I know. Who does that? That's awful. At least in an attic, you're like inside, I guess. It's still horrible, but terrible. Anyways, facilities to house the mentally ill were finally being built around the 1770s, but those were not based on the ideas of helping or curing patients. They were just lock them away, get them out of our houses. It's just like we don't want to deal with them kind of thing. Just put them there. Don't take care of them. But finally in the 1800s, people like Dorothea Dix and Thomas Kirkbride began working tirelessly to give better treatment and care to patients that were being forgotten and neglected. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you about these people. Dorothea Dix first because yeah. I remember she's learning great. about her. Yeah. Yes. We like her. This quote I found about her was on the Trans-Allegheny website. And according to one of her biographers, Dorothea Dix exemplified one of the rare cases in history where a social movement of such proportions can be attributed, attributed to the work of a single individual. Go off. I wrote how sick <laughs> in the best way. She was a nurse and a teacher and a social reformer who was highly committed to improving treatment for the mentally ill during the 19th century. She had grown up with an alcoholic father and a mentally unstable mother, so she took on the responsibilities involved with raising her two infant brothers from a young age. Oh my gosh. And she started like really young. So she was very academically gifted and determined, and she opened a private school at the age of 15 in Massachusetts. What the heck? Yeah, for young girls who had like no educational opportunities at the time for any like there wasn't any for women and girls so she that's incredible started a school and in the next five years after that she started another private school so she started a school at the age of 15 and age of 20 i'm 22 and haven't done any of them (laughs) that's fine um cool dorothea just make me feel bad about myself yeah she's literally i wrote so much about her because i was like i can't leave anything else anything about her out of this because She's very cool and had such a heart for these people. So in 1841, at this point she was 39. So several years later, she visited a jail, visited a jail in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where she observed horrific treatment of mentally ill prisoners. Many of them were chained up naked to stone walls with no heat or ventilation, which is just so gross and ugh. I hate it. This is what ultimately put Dorothea on the path for to fight for improved treatments for those battling the mental illnesses. And she actually managed to get the attention of Massachusetts state legislator to authorize funds towards these improvements. She really, one person drawing attention to these things. So she A went, woman? Yeah. At a time that. when a woman had no She respect. didn't even, there wasn't yeah. school for her. So she made school mm-hmm. for people like her. And then- did this. She also went on to expose horrible conditions in to the public in not only the US but Europe and Asia. So she's literally just traveling the globe being like this is not okay, this is not okay. Keep it going. 
So the first state hospital for mentally ill patients was opened in 1848 in Trenton, New Jersey, thanks to her work. This hospital was designed after Thomas Kirkbride's plan, and I'll talk about him in a minute, and Dorothea and Thomas Kirkbride were close colleagues, so they worked together. Sadly, Dorothea experienced debilitating breakdowns because of the strain that this put on her mentally and physically. Yeah. And she admitted herself to the Trenton Hospital, where she spent her final six years of her life in a private apartment until she passed away in 1887. Oh, my gosh. My last sentence about her was that she was an absolute badass. Yeah, what a queen. Like, she deserved her private apartment in a place that she in helped build. a place build. that she built, yeah. yeah. She was just very cool, and I think she did awesome things. And I'm sad to see what this place turned into based off of her like base level of like what it could have been yeah like her vision yeah so now on to thomas kirkbride he was a doctor for the mentally ill who eventually went on to found what would become the american psychiatric association so he had more humane medical ideas and treatment plans than others during this time also his design centered around long wings with lots of therapeutic air and sunlight with 12 foot ceilings and lots of windows so i feel like all places like waverly too like sunlight and air is what everyone was like this is gonna heal things which is kind of crazy though because like those long wings are what make those places seem so creepy exactly and it was like meant to be like a good thing yeah anyway continue you're good he also had these because he wanted patients to have freedom he also thought that helped contribute to it so that they could roam the facilities roam the hallways and they could give their brain stimulation which i think is really great and like being able to look outside and do things on your own is really wonderful and he said that they would behave better if they had more control over their own lives which is true yeah like when you're trapped away chained to a wall you're not gonna behave better you're gonna be angry and hurt His plans inspired the designs for a lot of different asylums and hospitals across the country. And so now we're going to get to Trans-Allegheny because that was one of them. And it was built between the years of 1858 and 1881. The architect, the architect. That's a long time. Yeah. And honestly, they kept like adding buildings to it, like even after 1881, I think, because this place was open until like the early 2000s. Whoa. Yeah. Like it's a very long like honestly some of the things that we've heard of watching the show is like those weren't until like the 1980s and 90s yeah or not not yeah 1980s and 90s not the 1800s but it's just like wow yeah so the architect that designed the asylum was richard andrews who was following kirkbride's plan and we were watching a ghost show earlier and that asylum was also following his plan Mm -hmm. so the style of the building was very gothic and tudor revival so kind of similar to waverly but still very different. And the buildings that were added throughout the years were added until the year 1960. And that's when the medical center and morgue were finally built. They didn't have a medical center there? Like a morgue? Like, I mean, I get that. I would hope there wouldn't have to be a morgue, but why didn't they have a medical center at all? I don't know. Okay. I mean, clearly they were doing experimental things and stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's just like, they didn't reach their peak of patients for a long time. And like the building was originally only supposed to house 250 people. And I'm going to go into that more later, but so many people were in that building. Mm -hmm. And so I guess they weren't expecting it to be so bad. But anyways, this is about more about the construction. It actually did halt in 1861 because of the Civil War. And- The partially built asylum and other areas around it became Camp Tyler. Ew. Bad name. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> For the Union Army, at least. Okay, that's fine. But there were a couple Confederate raids in 1862 and 1863. But when it, for West Virginia officially became a U.S. state in 1863, the hospital became West Virginia Hospital for the Insane. And so clearly the Union 
was winning. Okay, but well, that's good. Again, in 1864, another Confederate raid Screw the happened. Confederates. And they stole all the food and clothing meant for the first patients in the asylum. I mean, we already knew they sucked. <laughs> but, like, dang. They were opening that year. Like, they just stole everything. Like, they made, and I'm going to talk about this, but, like, in the hospital, they made everything oh, wow. for the people. Like, all of their clothes, all of the mattresses, the sheets, everything at the facilities. And they just stole it all. And now we're going to go on to when they open for patients. But Trans-Allegheny first opens its doors in October of 1864, after everything was stolen, which is just ridiculous. I'm glad they still opened. But the building is located in a pretty rural area, so patients were living with strangers mostly, and they were discouraged from seeing people they knew. They weren't even allowed to receive mail or gifts, and I just really hate that. And at least with Waverly, with tuberculosis, which is dangerous, people were allowed to see families and stuff, but horrible. really sad. Yeah. And in the early days for a lot of asylums, more than just those who were mentally ill were admitted as patients. And so I found the list of reasons. And these ones were from 1864 to 1889. Mm-hmm. And so first I'm going to list off a couple of the, a few of the ones, not a couple, I wrote several down that are more of like what you would expect yeah. kind of from this kind of thing, especially at that time. And then the ones that get Yeah, whack. more ridiculous are <laughs> later on. So first, ill treatment by husband, desertion by husband, and domestic trouble. So mostly women. If their husband it's their mistreat- fault. Yeah. If their husband abuses them. Yeah. Just put them in there. You know, leave them there. Okay. A lot of these are about women and it's very infuriating, especially when it was made by, by a, a woman. woman. Um, opium habits make okay. sense. Politics and political excitement. Put them in there, I guess. They are kind of crazy sometimes, but not all of them. Not, yeah, okay. It's not a mental illness. No. Religious enthusiasm. Oh. Asthma. <laughs> That's awful. I know. People didn't know how to treat things. Also, they just all assumed these were mental Like, problems. you can't breathe? Yeah. <laughs> Sucks. You're insane. You're oh crazy. Oh, gosh. Brain fever. That makes sense. Congestion of brain. I also don't know what some of these mean. The war. (laughs) The war? (laughs) All it said was the war. Like participating in the war? I don't know. Still being upset over the war? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Time of life. So if you were old, they just put you in there. gosh. Also the phrasing of all of these. (laughs) There's so many. I told you some of the ones that I won't read on here, but they were gross. Yeah. Like um, grief. That's horrible. If you're grieving, goodbye. Get in there. Uh, like After the war, I'm sure everyone's grieving. Yeah. Well, everyone involved in the war, so everyone is in there. Mostly oh women, though. Feebleness of intellect. So if you're just losing your mind, can't think straight anymore. If you're not neurotypical. Yeah. And then I wrote in more. And so now we're getting on to the little more outrageous ones. Even As if more. those weren't <laughs> yeah. even weird. Kicked in the head by a horse. As if that's your problem. <laughs> that's your fault. Not they just, said we don't want any of those. You can't those just go to a normal injuries. hospital. You have to go to an insane asylum, which is terrible. Oh my gosh. Imaginary female trouble. All female trouble is imaginary, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. None of it's real. No. We make it all You're up. You're just being crazy. Laziness. I would me. be in. <laughs> I would be in there. There's a lot of these things that would probably end up putting me in there, yeah. which is terrible. Yeah. Medicine to prevent conception. If you use birth control, get in there. How disrespectful what? to your husband, I guess. Oh, my gosh. Menstrual deranged. <laughs> if 
you're PMSing, get in there. Every single woman at some point. like Every month. Listen, there are too many jokes about PMSing, but it is real. <laughs> it's so bad. Novel reading. If we read. If you can read? Get in there. If you're reading fiction, you know. Parents were cousins. I feel like that's a little valid. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Bad company. Wait, going back. I'm sorry. The parents who are cousins. Does it mean if you are the parents that are cousins or if your parents I think parents you're, if your cousins? parents were cousins. That's not your fault. <laughs> no, but they don't want you, I guess. <laughs> okay, what was that it's other one? Sorry. Bad company. Oh. People don't like us. So we would be in there. <laughs> uterine derangement these are all the same thing <laughs> oh women trouble i don't know if that means if the women are trouble or if men are having women trouble we all it's definitely the women that are having yeah. trouble because a man and nothing is a man's fault yeah shooting of daughter i wrote why not jail why would you not put them in jail yeah if you shot your daughter there's a lot of murderers in there <laughs> what the heck my next one was rumor of husband murder, and I wrote, okay, nobody, no crime. <laughs> if you were rumored to have murdered your husband, at least you're not being put in jail yeah. for that, and your husband's getting shot for shooting your daughter and still being there, to, like, not going to jail. I, mean, I at guess least. they kept it even. Yeah. Instead of sending the women to jail. Yeah. Seduction and disappointment. Disappointment? <laughs> Those are together. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Like you tried to seduce someone and you failed. So yeah. Disappointed. So they put you in there. Some of these two are so private. It's like, how did they know? I mean, there's worse ones. I, I just don't want to read. Fell from a horse in war. <laughs> Getting kicked in the head by a horse. War, falling off. <laughs> like you fell off just at home. You're yeah. Fine. But if you fell off in war. Get in there. You're, you're done for it. The last one I wrote down was female disease. Why are there so many about women? Just if you're sick and you're a woman, like any disease. Get in there. You're in the asylum now. You're <laughs> oh a patient. Gosh. Checked in. I just, the list was even longer and I don't want to read any of them because they're just gross. Yeah. And honestly, the ones I didn't read are probably more male yeah. directed, but it's still like, what the heck? Yeah. Like those are a lot of those were like control things for men and women can't control yeah. that time of the month. Anyway, uh, okay. that was the most ridiculous list I've ever heard. I'll show you the rest of it sometime. If people yeah. were like, maybe I'll screenshot it and post it on our Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If I can get a good size list of it. Nice. Oh, I also wrote, what also really sucks is that asylums would offer money to people who dropped off patients, even if there were no signs of mental illness. So basically, if a man didn't want to deal with his say, wife that's anymore. That's why a bunch of men dropped off their wives. Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah. No signs of mental illness and they check you in. Oh, yeah. She was reading a novel. So give me some money. Try again. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. So the original hospital planned for 250 patients with enough rooms for everyone to have their own and to be comfortable and have their own bed. Like, mm -hmm. the design was meant to be good. Yeah. And it was also pretty self-sufficient at first. They had their own vegetables and cows. They had an ice plant. I don't know what that is. And a coal mine. Okay. And they had a water reservoir. All clothes and other cloth resources for the patients were made there and other things like mattresses and furniture. And they taught a lot of these skills to the patients so that they could be taught a trade and everything. Love that. Which is, is cool. 
unless it's an abuse of power and yeah. I don't know if it was and I That's wrote fair. that because I was like I don't know yeah, but like if I it mean, is to be stimulating to them yeah. and I do think at first a lot of the people did want them to get better mm-hmm. and so I'm hoping that it was like a good yeah. thing that they but were teaching them but it could just be phrasing because I mean prisons today could be like well we're teaching people yeah. trades when really they're just monopolizing so on yeah, yeah it's, it's like okay. a fine line I don't know if that was a good thing or not I was like I can see it, it both probably ways. went both ways a little bit yeah definitely more bad probably later in mm-hmm. the time of the hospital but anyways sadly in 1881 there was a significant increase in mental health diagnoses and the stigma surrounding the disorders which led trans allegheny to house around 500 more patients than the facilities were designed for so like 750 yeah okay and then this and then this caused the conditions to decline and rooms were initially created to house one patient began to be crammed with four or five without adding beds Whoa. people were sleeping on the floors the farm on site was only meant to feed 300 which meant people were also suffering from malnutrition on top of mental illness or if they didn't have mental illness they're just getting sicker because they don't have food or a bed and then the number of patients increased more and more and by 1939 the asylum was six times over capacity the doctors and orderlies were outnumbered by a lot patients were running wild because the hospital was meant to give freedom and healing treatments but there wasn't enough people to facilitate that and then in 1949 the charleston gazette I don't know why. I actually don't know what Charleston that is from. But if it's from the Carolinas, that's very far. But they sent a crew in to investigate the conditions of the asylum. And they found patients sleeping on the floor in freezing rooms. And the facilities were poorly kept with bad sanitation and not enough furniture, lighting, or heating. The peak number for the hospital was 2,600 patients in the 1950s. That is 10 times. More than 10 times the number of patients that they were, that it was designed for. What the heck? That's so many people. And so I guess like, because it's like 666 acres, but were most, like most of those acres were for like the the farmland stuff. So it's like there was like like one main building that like housed the people. So like 2,000 people in one building. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This was reportedly one of the worst time for patients, obviously. Let me tell you that it can get worse still because we haven't even talked about treatments or anything. Yeah. But for starters, if a patient complained or acted out due to the poor living and treatment conditions, they were placed in solitary confinement in an empty room and chained to the wall for months. So just right back to the treatments that Dorothy was trying to avoid. Yep. She was not alive at this point, which is like, I think if she was still there, she would not be standing for it. Yeah. But also people were just putting everyone in there because they didn't know how to help people. Ugh. I wrote that I, I keep saying sadly and unfortunately because it keeps getting worse, but it's just, it really is just getting worse. Yeah. So now I'm going to talk about the treatments and some of them just really freak me out and I really hate them. And I'm going to have to talk about the one that I hate the most, but yeah. I wrote, they also did, they had ice water baths and there's pictures of people just in the bathtubs mm-hmm. in a big room, seclusion cells and cages, which is mostly on ward F, I believe, which I'll talk about more later. Mm-hmm. Electroshock therapy and then lobotomies. And the favored procedure for lobotomies was the ice pick transorbital lobotomy, which is just so uh. gross. And the amount of people that have pictures and videos of this just freaks me out. But it involved, if you don't like this kind of stuff, skip forward. Fast forward, yeah. please. I'm not going to go super into detail, but more detail than some people probably will like. This horrific procedure involved slipping a thin pointed rod, which was like an ice pick, into the patient's eye sockets above the eye, and then they would use a hammer to force it to sever the connective tissue in the brain's prefrontal cortex, and kind of also like a windshield wiper motion, yeah. which is just so gross. Ugh. But the prefrontal cortex, correct me if I'm wrong, but I like if anyone listening knows more about this. I thought you were saying to me, and I was no, like, people 
love that are listening if they know more about this, but this is what I found that it it does. It helps people set and achieve goals and helps with decision making and behaving appropriately in social situations and other cognitive behavior and personality expression. So it's like, it's how you be be a person and like learn to be better. Like instead of like trying to give people like therapies to learn better behavioral things well, first like, of all like it's cutting off their personality but also if they were having like behavioral issues and putting people in solitary confinement just even worse yeah and then you take away their ability to make decisions yeah they thought that this permanent damage was supposed to relieve some of the more severe symptoms of mental illness i don't know why they would think that but a specific doctor that used Trans-Allegheny as a training ground for these procedures was Walter Freeman, who over the course of his lifetime performed more than 4,000 lobotomies. So you just ruined 4,000 people's lives. Yeah. He would leave, my next sentence, he would leave perfectly <laughs> healthy patients with lasting physical and cognitive damage. Dr. Freeman was not a licensed physician. He was only licensed for medical research and he could not get licensed as a neurologist. He presented his research to a board of doctors after performing 17 lobotomies with another doctor and those doctors were horrified at the procedure. So they took it to the media and then got it licensed because of that. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, he was not licensed to do these things. And after he got it licensed because of media attention, he performed 238 in 30 days. Oh my gosh. The fact that the media can be like, yeah, let's get that licensed. They're not doctors. Yeah. And I think that was like not even the ice pick total thing yet. Mm -hmm. Like that was his own messed up version of the lobotomy. And then he got worse after that because he changed it to use his wife's ice pick. So it was his wife's ice pick that made him like- Like she like made a kind of ice pick or something? She just had one. I think he took it and he decided that it was a good idea. This is also worse. Somehow it gets worse. He did not use pain medication- and did not wash his hands. There's pictures of him with his ha- bare hands and people standing around him with cameras and stuff watching it happen. Oh my gosh. It was reported that 30% of his patients died from infection. Only 30, well, yeah. which is amazing. I mean, 30% is way lower than I would expect. But 30% of the time. Just from infection. Just from infection, let alone anything else that could go wrong. Yeah. And would go wrong. Apparently, the recovery time for this was only 25 to 30 minutes, and they would just move him along. Which that just is not, I mean, most of them probably would die, but it's so gross to me that this man just was allowed to do this to people. And they had no consent. Like they did not consent to it. Exactly. He would just line them up and do it. Oh my gosh. That's straight up torture. He's gross. Yeah. And there's just all these pictures of him and even, and more doctors were doing it too, not just him. Oh my gosh. We have to go here because I want to like hear the tour guides tell more about it. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like a lot of this, you need to like go actually hear this people from the people that have spent more time researching it yeah it's just like so moving on from the procedures we're gonna talk about some of the cases and stuff of violence and things that happen so overcrowding was one of the major problems and this often led to an increase in violence among patients and staff and so i'm gonna tell you a couple of the cases so we're gonna start with Dean Metheny, mm-hmm. who we know a little bit about. So Dean was a mute man with severe intellectual disabilities that led to childlike behavior and occasional violent outbursts. He was mute, so he couldn't even talk, which is makes us even worse. Yeah, that like breaks my heart. Yeah. He would often, this is going to break your heart more, he would often spend his days in, innocently coloring with a nurse before leaving to one of the more secluded rooms. The day he was murdered, he was coloring with a nurse all day. And I'm going to talk more about it later, but it's just like this poor man. How old was he? 49. Okay. But it's still, he was just coloring at the yeah. feet of this woman all day. Ugh. And he was in one of the more secluded rooms in Ward F 
because of his more violent outbursts mm-hmm. when he would have them. And so he like had his own space. But in 1987, in Ward F, two other patients, 25-year-old David Mason and 30-year-old James Wood, decided they were going to kill him. They snuck up behind Dean in his room. And they began hanging him with a set of bed sheets like over a pipe and they would like pull him up there until he would kind of pass out. Then they would lower him down and then repeat and repeat. And they eventually were, didn't really have the strength, I don't think, to fully do that. And they just kind of wanted to speed up the process. And they put, this is also gross for everyone if you want to yes, fast forward. definitely skip if you need to. They put his head under the metal bed frame, like on the temple of his head, and one of them held him there, and the other one jumped on the bed to like until it went through his skull. Oh my gosh. And I'm going to talk more about this later because all of the episodes gave me more insight into yeah. this, but both murderers were declared incompetent to stand trial, so they remained the rest of their lives in the asylum instead of going to prison for this. I hate that. Yeah. It's so terrible. Like, that's not just like an act. Like, that's premeditation. They chose to kill him. Oh, yeah. I think, and I'm this I found out on one of the shows, so I was going to say it later, but I think one of them hadn't killed people before going into the asylum and was still allowed. And the fact that they had the violent men's ward and still gave them freedom. Yeah. It's like, clearly, if they were supposed to be in prison, why would you give them freedom? And I'm going to tell you more because in one of the shows, they brought in a nurse who was working there that day. Mm. And so, but I want to save that until okay. I talk yeah. about the show. But it's just so sad to That's know. That's heartbreaking. So back to other cases. In 1985, the Charleston Gazette exposed the asylum again with similar stories of patients being naked, chained to walls and wards with bathrooms covered in feces. And then again in 1992, they reported even more terrible conditions. So this one newspaper is just like, hey, it's really bad there. <laughs> They're like, you're not fixing anything. Yeah. Also in 1992, so later that year, they exposed it again. A patient named George Edward Bodie died after fighting with another patient. And then Brian Scott B., who is 21 years old, I think, was, they committed, he committed suicide and his body was not found for eight days. How? I don't know. In a building that crowded? Yeah. Just didn't find it. Ugh. Finally, Trans-Allegheny was forced to close in 1994, and the hospital stood vacant for a number of years and was auctioned off in August 2007 to Joe Jordan for $1.5 million. So big. Yeah. And today, visitors can go for historic and paranormal tours and overnight ghost hunts. And I obviously have more information that I found out about people as I was researching, like, the spirits and stuff, but it's Mm -hmm. just, like, the conditions were so bad, and it was open for so long with those terrible conditions. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine dropping off someone that you cared about there yeah Yeah. it's so terrible especially when that newspaper kept being like hey it's really bad there they don't have food and they're sleeping on the floor oh my gosh it's so infuriating it is estimated so now we're going on to the ghosts i titled the section ghosts perfect (laughs) it's estimated that over a hundred thousand people died there I don't know how that's possible, though, because they didn't ever have that many people. On Destination Fear, didn't they say 20? I don't know. This was on some, like, person that had really researched it. I don't think that's right. There's no way. I don't know. Maybe they they meant 10,000 or something. Yeah, it's just a lot. Either way. That's a lot of people that died there. And people think that those are, like, under, like, they are underestimates of numbers. Like, probably not the 100,000, but it's, like, people, whatever numbers that they have, people Mm -hmm. are, like... That seems a little low for the treatment that was going on there. And I'm sure they weren't really keeping track because they clearly weren't caring for these people. If one guy died and 
his body wasn't found for eight, eight days. days. They clearly yeah. weren't taking care of people. Yeah. There are over 2,000 people buried in a cemetery there. But I think they have like three cemeteries on the property. But also I saw something that said that others had been like covered up with buildings and stuff around the area. And so there's even like there's people that have like dug at their houses and been like, oh my gosh, there's tombstones under my house in this no. area. Like it's terrible and reports of hauntings began even before the hospital stopped being a hospital there were a lot of employees that would quit after a few days after hearing noises of squeaking gurneys wheeling out in the hallways and things like that that weren't there so it's kind of spooky i wish i could like i want to like move away from the sad things but i'm like these are all real people that are yeah. haunting it and everything so ghosts haunting the asylum range from civil war era to children and ex to ex-patients and staff members there are also violent offenders such as murder are still there. Those who work and visit Trans-Allegheny have seen apparitions walking the hallways at all times of day, not just at night. That's uh, almost scarier to think about seeing ghosts in the day. I think they've seen them in like nurses' clothing and stuff, and it's just like, ugh. I think in their museum they have like all the different types of nurse clothings, which is really mm-hmm. interesting to me. I really want to go and see all of this. Uh, people have, <laughs> I know, <laughs> to West Virginia, I've rural wanted, West Virginia. I've never wanted to go to I've West Virginia. I've been through West Virginia. My family went to Virginia once and we drove through there, but it was like a snowstorm. It was so dangerous. Anyways, people have seen a ball of light moving in a hallway, which is, I don't know how I feel about orbs, but people think that's a spirit. I don't like orbs, but if you see them with your like actual eyes, I trust that a little more. Yeah. than just like a video camera, but like it could be dust, you know? They've also seen apparitions wearing white, which is what some nurses would wear and doctors. Uh, A doctor reported having a spirit follow her home and I still experienced that many years later like still was having that happen to her so now i'm gonna kind of go more by like floor slash ward mm-hmm. that people have seen things and then i'll go on to our shows afterwards nice so the civil war wing which is the first floor basically and it's the oldest part of the hospital a spirit i told you about her she's a spirit of a former patient named ruth who is said to hate men <laughs> She throws things at them, and she still does that. And her spirit, she would throw things at them when she was alive. Good for her. And Actually, then, no, that's iconic. <laughs> and so she still throws things, and it's said that her spirit will push people against the walls. And witnesses have like heard her like whistling and stuff. Like she like throws you against the wall. Yeah. And, like whistles as she walks away. <laughs> it's just so it's so good. Like how iconic. I think it's funny because it's only against men. If if, if she was doing it to women too, I would nah, be like, it's just I hate men. That. <laughs> Like, the fact that, like, the people that work there, like, she hates men, you know? (laughs) Good for her. I mean, when did she... This was Civil War era? I think she was. But she also might have been... She could have been any time. I didn't find an exact year for her. But that's Women have been mistreated at all times, but especially Civil War Especially if, like, Confederates are coming in and stealing your stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be like, I hate hate them. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to move on to Ward 2 on the second floor. I feel like it should have a letter, but it didn't for some reason. (laughs) Uh, A few violent things occurred on this floor. These are more of the cases. A patient was stabbed 17 times with a butter knife by another patient for declining a request for a sexual favor. Gross. And then in a different room on this floor, two patients committed suicide by hanging from curtain rods, which is very sad. And the reports of hauntings on this floor is a lot of shadow figures, and they've caught an EVP. For everyone, that's an electronic voice phenomenon. My grandpa asked. Yeah. People just have like digital recorders and they'll like ask questions and then listen back to it because those are said to pick up voices that you can't hear on your own ears. So they, but a lot of people have caught EVPs on that floor and they've caught something saying get out, which is threatening. I never, I would, if I heard get out, I would leave. I would leave. (laughs) 
no shame. You can go. I would not think you're a scaredy cat. Just leave. Uh, moving on to the third floor, War F. This is where the violent men's ward was, where Dean Metheny was killed. Dean is said to haunt his room that he was murdered in. I said this next part is interesting to me because there's also a spirit named Big Jim, and we'll talk about him later. For everyone listening, we've talked about this a little as I've researched, but I'm going to tell you more about it later. I thought that maybe Big Jim was someone different, and I'll, I found out who he is, and I'll tell you more when we get to the episode that I found it out about. But there's also, he's supposed to be like a big black shadow figure on that floor. And there's also a nurse named Elizabeth present on this floor because there's a nurse's quarter Mm -hmm. there. And a lot of doors are said to be closing by themselves in that area. There's also reports of doors closing by themselves in other areas, apparitions, shadow figures, strange noises on EVPs. And there's also the more violent female patients, I think, somewhere on this floor. I think it's on a different end near the geriatrics ward. And people have heard their names called in that area and lots of disembodied screaming. If I ever... We, there's Either an epi- of those things <laughs> there's would an episode, make me shit my pants. <laughs> yeah, there's an episode of Destination Fear, and I want to cover it at some point, where they caught the ter- most terrifying scream I've ever heard. Dead or alive, it's the scariest sound. And if I ever heard a scream in real life from somebody that wasn't there, I would. I don't know what I would do. I would shit my pants. <laughs> also, this is a totally off topic. I saw someone talking about a TikTok that like when girls say like when they're like laughing so hard or something and they're like, I'm going to pee like girls feel like they're going to pee their pants. Boys don't feel that. What? Like they just thought that was a Have saying they, wait, that girls. What? They just thought it was a saying that girls like say they didn't realize girls actually like are going to pee their pants. <laughs> That's really weird. Yeah. Anyway, I just saw anyway. that. And I was like, what the heck? Very off topic. <laughs> yeah. I just had to tell you. Okay, moving on to the fourth floor now. Ward T and Ward R are on this floor. These are just to like help figure out where things are. I don't know what end of the hallways these are in or anything, but the fourth floor has like some not bad things and some more creepy things. So on the fourth floor, there is a well-known spirit of a little girl named Lily. Lily reportedly patiently sits in a room of toys waiting for people to play with her. That's terrifying. But she's supposed to be really nice. She's said to be nine years old and wears a white dress. She likes to play games and move toys around, and a music box turns on by itself a lot. Um, No one is 100% sure of how Lily got to be at Trans-Allegheny. There are two stories that people think are most likely. So Lily was a little girl who spent most or all of her life inside the asylum, which is very sad. So the first story was that she was either dropped off by her parents at the hospital, or the second story is that she could have been born there to her mom who was committed. And unfortunately, the theory for insanity at the time was that insanity was inheritable. And so most babies that were born to a patient mother most likely lived the rest of their lives there, which is terrible. So it was found out that Lily really was a real person and that she sadly died at the age of nine due to pneumonia. And has reportedly remained there after death. She literally spent her whole life stuck there. And then there's another ghost on this floor who is said to be a soldier named Jacob, and he's seen just walking up and down the hallways. I didn't, no one on any of the shows I watch found these two people, but Mm -hmm. the people that work there are familiar. And a lot of the fourth floor rooms have like toys and stuff in Mm -hmm. them for people like ghosts like Lily. And so also on the fourth floor, there's darker entities besides Lily, which is why does the little girl have to be with some creepy things? But many often see a black mass and also there's apparently a creeper. Why do all fourth floor Everything places has a creeper? It's always on the a fourth big black floor. Mass. 
Yeah. Yeah. And the creeper also apparently has tentacles, which is really freaky because <laughs> I was watching a show earlier and I showed it to Sydney because it terrified me. We'll talk about it shortly, but it's just like, ooh. The idea of tentacles is really it's so, gross. like slithering and like, <laughs> I don't know, I would lose my mind. Sorry I keep making barf noises. <laughs> I just realized that's gross. Oh, well. <laughs> it's already happened. We're it's horrible for us. People have also heard the sounds of someone or something banging on pipes on this floor, which would just scare me. Like if you yeah. saw a tentacle and then heard a banging noise. No. <laughs> I just envisioned a tentacle with like a hammer. Ew. I was going to make a sound effect, but I'm not going to make a sound effect. <laughs> um, moving on to another space. It's the electroshock room. People reportedly hear a lot of screaming coming from this room. And then these are just some generic hauntings that people experience a lot visitors see objects moving on their own and often have the feeling of being watched which did happen in some of the shows i was watching they were like i feel like someone's watching me right now and there were plenty of reports of sounds such as banging door slamming moaning ominous breathing ominous breathing (laughs) and hysterical laughter that would scare me so much oh my gosh screaming and hysterical laughter would terrify me also ominous breathing i don't (sighs) i think just putting the word ominous before it yeah that's what i read on someone else wrote ominous breathing and i really liked it and that's why i wrote it i wrote that all this would freak me the heck out yeah Agreed. So now I'm going to move on to the shows with their evidence. And unfortunately, I'm starting with Ghost Adventures, but they've had more to the Dean Metheny thing that I thought was interesting. And so I wanted to bring it up. But so Ghost Adventures originally went to the asylum in 2009. And I couldn't find the full first episode because it was like a live overnight thing with like guests Mm -hmm. and it was like seven hours. So like no one has that footage anywhere, anywhere that wouldn't give my computer a virus. So I'm not going to go watch that. But they do have the Ghost Adventures Aftershocks episode on that streaming platform that I will not name, but you should all get. (laughs) No free promos. (laughs) But so on Aftershocks, if you've never watched it, which I have not really watched it, but they kind of go back to places they've investigated and talked to the owner of places and like normal investigators there or people that work there and like ask them how things have been since they've been last been there and like because they don't do anything to help yeah and they just like stir up more trouble so on the aftershocks episode of this they were talking to the owner rebecca gleason who is in all of the shows which i never put it together but she's a cool woman she she might be a woman of color if she's not she's very tanned but i don't want to say she doesn't want she seems cool she has fun curly hair love her she's really great she's a great tv personality but zach originally showed her a video because during their live event they had some of their guests come and they put them in seclusion cells and while they were in there they all heard a disembodied female scream coming from ward f and it was very loud and so he like played that for the owner because she hadn't heard it yet she's like we hear that all the time and like terrifying so then zach continued to talk to rebecca gleason the owner and they talked about big jim and she wouldn't really say much about like his actual name and stuff because of like medical records and he i think he's dead now but because of things that happen like most of this only happened in the 1980s and 90s you're technically i guess not supposed to share medical information unless it's been like 52 years or something weird like very specific number she said sounds like a copyright number yeah (laughs) but like i guess it's hipaa yeah so she couldn't say much but like when zach would say something she would be like confirm it or not like he would say it but she didn't so he was there in the late 80s and 90s and he was responsible for the homicide of Dean Metheny. So Big Jim really is James Wood, which comes in when we talk about Whoa. Destination Fear okay. later. Yeah. So it is the same person. She confirmed it. And I wrote, OMG, it is the same person. <laughs> uh, 
She told more about the story. So the two men that murdered him changed their clothes afterwards and then went to the nurse's station in the center of the ward and told them there are ghosts down there killing someone or killing people because I found out more information. But So they tried to blame it on ghosts? Yeah, they hid their clothes and then said there's ghosts killing people down there. And that's that's definitely reason for them to be in jail. Yeah. Like that's first degree murder. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so proof of Big Jim has been documented by investigators. So he communicates a lot with people outside of the room that Dean was, which goes back to Death Station Fear later. I got goosebumps a little bit. And like his spirit will tell specific details about that time period and things that happened that like haven't been like, why would people make that up? Like Mm -hmm. he just had said weird things that people are like, a lot of these spirits will communicate with people and like confirm that it's them. And I'm going to tell you more about yeah. another one later, but it's just like they're that's really cool. They're like telling about their deaths or things that they've done. And it's just very specific. And Big Jim is also violent, which yeah, why would you tracks. mess with him? Okay. But anyways, he might I don't I couldn't find because one of the other shows mentioned that one of the two of the killers was a serial killer before. I don't know which one it is. I couldn't find there was a serial killer somewhere named James Wood, but I think it was in like Idaho. So I don't know if that was the same person or not. It's a very generic name. Yeah. So I was like, and I couldn't find anybody with a name David Mason. So I was like, I don't really know. But one of they both of them are very violent, clearly. So it also in the Aftershocks episode, Zach went on to talk to an employee named Copperhead. Love that. Who talked more about Big Jim and said that he can be really nasty and he started talking about this other coworker investigator, Paul Cyper, who I'll talk about him in a second. But he was with, so Copperhead and Paul were investigating together. And Paul Cyper actually came to work at Trans Allegheny after watching the Ghost Adventures episode there, which is weird. Sounds like something we do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but one night, the two of them were working and investigating. And Paul started to get sick while trying to communicate with Big Jim. And Jim makes people sick if he doesn't want you there. And Copperhead caught a voice on the spirit box saying, F you. And then another voice saying creepily, yeah, like after it. And then said, bye, Paul, when Paul was leaving the room. Ooh. Yeah. And it was just like, interesting. Ooh. I would hate that. Yeah. Then also, they talked to them more later, so I'll go back to it. So Ghost Adventures then talked about the lobotomy recovery area, and Rebecca Gleason was talking about how that's where they they filmed another Ghost Adventures. They filmed this thing called Paranormal Challenge in there. Why do they have so many Zach like made like a game show out of it. Oh my god. But they, apparently the activity has ramped up in that area since they filmed that there and they've caught someone like dragging footsteps walking down the hall and they like even had a picture of like a big figure like in the room and they like think that he walks all around to different buildings including the forensics building and like that's where a lot of the violent people were and so it's just very creepy and <laughs> let me just say there are some weird messed up people who are into ghosts like Paul is really weird and like he wants to be harmed and scared and stuff and like why do people like that I don't know like it's really creepy like how he was talking about it like Zach was asking him questions like like are you trying to get harmed he's like yeah like kind of like he keeps going back to like big gym to like get freaked out and stuff and I was just like gross and I hated it uh I also did find more about the original Ghost Adventures episode I like I said I couldn't find it but I found like someone had detailed all the things that they found and so I just wanted to read to you some of the evidence that they captured like what types of EVPs and stuff and I thought a lot of them were funny most of these are not serious but apparently they they got these (laughs) we're gonna you're gonna like them so on EVPs they caught a loud female scream like I said and then they caught voices saying 
F you, get out, harm. I hate Zach. Zach and Nick, get out, and more. <laughs> I love I love when, when they're they, mean to Zach. <laughs> like, I hate you, Zach. Yeah, get out, Zach. Poor, I mean, Nick got involved in that, but oh well. There's more funny ones, but hold on. Great. So apparently they've also caught a disembodied little girl's voice in a male voice, like out loud. I don't know what they said. They just heard him. And then they did spirit box sessions, and they got... <laughs> Harm, help me, and then you suck bleep. <laughs> did it say bleep or did they just bleep it out? And we don't I think know they, they just said. bleeped it out, but I think it was the D word. <laughs> I don't want to say it because my dad and my, my family might listen to this. <laughs> but the, like they're <laughs> like, tell Zach Vegas that he does that. <laughs> like it's so funny. And they, they did, there were more sentences that they said, but those ones, they said some kind of triggering things, okay. which like adds up with like spirits, like telling like what happened to mm-hmm. me, but they were like not great. And I was like, I don't really want to share that's those because that's yeah. unnecessary. Uh, during their investigation, Aaron also experienced pain in his head and the part of the head where lobotomies were performed. Ooh. Yeah. Don't like that. Also, don't touch Aaron. <laughs> no. Why do they always? It's because Zach puts him in the position that he's in. Uh, also, they caught lots of orbs on camera, obviously. And apparently, they caught one shaped like a skull. <laughs> yeah, right. But whatever. Sure. Okay. That's the last I wrote down. There was more stuff. Like, they were all like, we saw shadow figures. But I was like, I'm not writing them down every single place they saw that. But now I'm going to move on to Paranormal Lockdown. And my first thing that I I noted was that Nick wanted to come back because he had seen a shadow figure on the fourth floor when they had gone with Destination Fear, or not Destination Fear, Ghost Adventures. (laughs) Wrong show, I'm getting ahead of myself. But so Paranormal Lockdown is Nick who was on Ghost Adventures and then Katrina, which always overlap because Ghost Adventures and Nick, Nick and Katrina, the next one will be Katrina and her new show. It's just like all these people keep going back. So just... I mean, we've gone to Waverly twice in a year, so I yes. can't judge. <laughs> Almost one year. By the time this comes out, it'll have been a year, which is crazy. So they started Paranormal Lockdown in the Women's Auxiliary Building, which had never been investigated before. Rebecca Gleason, the owner, took them there, and she told them that this is the second oldest building on the property. Uh, Nick thought he saw someone standing there when he walked in. So he walked into the room. Thought I saw someone standing there. Thought it was the cameraman. And then I was like, whoa, that was not the camera person. I thought it was like, he's standing right there, not over there. And so, and he keeps saying that these figures look solid to him. Like he said, when he had first been there in 2009, the shadow figure he saw was like a solid person. And again, he was like, they're not just like, you can't just see through them. Mm -hmm. Like very confused. And so he started to do an EVP session in this building. And Nick asked if he had saw someone standing there when he walked in. And they caught a voice saying yes. And then Katrina asked if they knew they were dead, which at first I laughed at, but they caught a voice saying no to that question, Mm. which is just very creepy. And then all three people, Rebecca, the owner, and then Nick and Katrina, they all were like, I feel like I'm being watched right now. They all had goosebumps on their arms. Like they're like, we don't feel alone. So after this, they brought in, Nick and Katrina brought in a former employee named Beth Neese, who was like this sweet old lady who had worked there. And she had worked there at the time of Dean Metheny's murder. She was really, like, she was really emotional walking in. She was like, this is going to be hard for me. She was like, I just have so many memories here. And like, she really cared about people. And so they went up to the third floor, Ward F. And she was like, this is the security unit. And she was there when Dean Metheny was killed. And she said that two people were killed that day in the same room and so that led me down as far i was like wait i need to pause this and look this up because i've not heard about another person being murdered at this time 
I looked it up and what I found was that there was another man in the room, Raymond Diller. But what I saw was that he was just wounded and didn't die in the room, but she was also there. So I don't know if what I read was right or if just nobody had reported on it, but every other article just mentions Dean Metheny dying, but she was there and said. Maybe he was wounded and like died later on from complications. Yeah. But they did it to more than one person. Oh my god! Like that similar That's thing. Crazy. I don't know if they did the metal bedpost thing, mm-hmm. but I think they were like hanging him also. And she's also the one that mentioned that one of the two men that murdered Dean was a serial killer prior to being there. And she was friends with the nurse who was the one that was coloring with Dean and the other inmate that day. Or not other inmate, patient, Raymond Dillard. So like Aww. her friend was coloring with these both men were like had mental illness and were like children and Dean didn't speak and like it's just so sad so anyways that was more information that I was just like I didn't know there was another person in there nobody talked about it and in any of the other episodes no one talked about there being yeah. two but when you bring in a person that was there you're like what happened uh, then they went on to the fourth floor on Paranormal Lockdown, and their cameraman, Rob, heard a disembodied voice on the fourth floor. Katrina, like, walked by a room, and then he heard someone go, shh. And, like, I heard it, too. I didn't know what I thought it was. And then Nick was like, I heard that, too. Katrina didn't hear it. Very weird. And then Nick was in a room by himself, and he was talking about how it's dark in there. And he was like, I'm kind of scared walking around the dark. Like, you must get scared, too. And they caught a voice saying, yes. Like, it's scary for them. They're really confused. Like, they don't really know what's going on. Uh, Nick was also... So then Nick slept on the fourth floor that night. Because on the show, they stay in a building for, like, 72 hours. So Nick was sleeping alone on the fourth floor. And he's laying there with his head to, like, the longest part of the hallway. I don't know why people that sleep on these shows sleep. Psychotic. I would have to be up against a wall, not by a doorway. No, thank you. But he was sleeping there. And then he felt something rushing up behind his head. And then you hear a loud bang right behind him. And it was very creepy. And then... The next morning, he goes and nothing else happened that night to him or Katrina. Katrina had slept in Dean's room and nothing happened to her while she was in there. And then the next morning, Nick and Katrina went to like this bathroom space, which they had the same showers that we had in our freshman dorm room, which is saying something about our freshman dorm Those showers were so gross. Like they're like bright colors. Mine was poop brown. Mine was like an ugly yellowish brown. Okay, to clarify, it was like it was brown. really dark yours was really <laughs> dark we had to put like and there's no lights in there no no light in the shower anyway off so dark <laughs> but they're in the bathroom area shower space and katrina was talking about how she like felt like it was hard for her to breathe since she walked into that room and she started talking about she's like i like to play games is there anyone here that wants to like play a game with me and like spend time with us and then they caught an evp saying shut up bitch straight up didn't bleep it out it said that rude i know and nick was like are you kidding like because she first heard it and she was like does that say what i think it's saying like she was just trying to be nice dang yeah anyways then they went into the women's auxiliary building again to investigate this time and they have this device that's called a geophone and it's kind of like a spirit box but it's a little this one's a little bit harder for me to understand than a spirit box i feel like so when they walked in they were talking they initially caught a woman saying hello that one was kind of hard for me to hear but they were like it's saying hello to us and it was a woman and then they asked if anyone else wanted to talk to them and they caught a man's voice saying don't say a word. And I heard that one. And so then they asked, they told the women, like, you don't have to listen to this man. And the man said, no. And they were like, why? And he said, I'm telling you. And so then Katrina said, if you guys can say my name, I will leave and not talk to any more of the women. And the man said, Katrina. 
And so she said, okay, I'll leave. Okay, bye. And Nick was like, you promised. And she was like, okay, I will abide by that. We will leave. Like, what the heck? I, they did not go back there. They didn't say anything else. And so there's a man in there that does not want the women to speak to people. No one else on any of the other shows investigated that space. And so I'm just like, whatever's in there is not very nice. And so then they went to the medical building in the morgue and freaking Nick what is Zach Bagan's move? Was like, I want to challenge Katrina to sleep in the body cooler tray tonight. She did it because she's a good, like, she's do a it good for the show. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as they walked into the morgue, Katrina started to feel like a pain or like a pinching or stabbing pain in her chest, and then she also felt like a stabbing pain in her head. And Nick was like, "Was it like a lobotomy kind of pain? How would she know that? First of all, but <laughs> yes, I've felt this before. But I think if anyone has like a a pain in their head they're like could be a lobotomy pain like like who knows she did say she felt like she's like this is not like my normal body like pains like yeah she definitely well, felt like i guess like if the headache her. felt like it was like behind your eye yeah like, i guess that she didn't sense, say where in her head yeah. it was but it was just kind of weird so then katrina stayed there alone to sleep she like pulled herself into the tray like laid down and pulled herself in there they couldn't even push her in no, he left. She like pulled herself in and actually down. And she was talking. She was like, I really only wanted to ever be on one of these once in my life. And she was like, I pictured it being 80 years from now well, when I'm dead. it wouldn't be in your life. Well, yeah. And so she's just like, didn't think this was going to happen to me. But while she was laying there, she did start to hear footsteps around her which on when she went to waverly she also heard footsteps while she was in the tray why do they keep making her sleep in the tray she didn't sleep in the one waverly the guys just walked out of the room to go look down the hallway but nick used to really like doing that too though so he's just pushing her boundaries i guess they don't investigate together anymore maybe that's why Uh, while she was sleeping in there, Nick went to sleep in the lobotomy recovery room and he also heard footsteps walking towards him, which is just creepy, but nothing else really happened to the two of them that night. And then the next day, Adam and Amy came. Our icons. We love them. And they're going to start friends with Nick. To me, sometimes the people that were on Ghost Adventures do not make sense to be friends with people that were on Ghost Hunters because their level of professionalism is very different. Yeah. But they were all having fun. And as soon as they got there and they were walking, Adam and Amy also heard someone say, shh. Like, so second time someone's been shushed while they're there. And then they went up to the fourth floor and Adam and Amy were in disbelief that Nick had slept there with his head down the empty hallway. And so Adam was like, I want to do it. Like, I want to lay here. And so they were going to like, everyone else was like, okay, we're going to like, you keep the recorder. We're going to go walk somewhere else so we don't like contaminate your evidence and as they walked out nick was like how long do you give them and amy was like five minutes and i think like one loud sound or something happened and he was immediately up and me with too them. adam i respect it and then they reviewed his evp and as soon as they left and adam was there by himself they literally caught a voice saying hello adam you could hear it and that's oh, when he left but he didn't yeah. hear that out loud it was just in the recorder <laughs> just hello adam leave like, him alone yeah they were all like shocked and then the amy and adam left but i was like what the heck have i heard a ghost say my name these people these ghosts know their names because i said nick and zach when they went yeah just very creepy and so then this is where the really creepy stuff happens and i made sydney watch this earlier because I'm so glad it, I it freaked me out but they went back on the fourth floor Nick, Katrina, and Rob, their cameraman, and they're all kind of like seeing dark things around them. And then Rob is like filming them, and he like starts to like really see, he like hear something behind him. And then you, he's like, my camera started to get out of focus. And then he was looking behind Katrina, and he saw something against the wall, and then saw it slither out of the room. And so then they started reviewing it, and I didn't see this at first, but it's it's because it's actually white on the type of camera they were using. But it's like sitting in the middle of the floor, and then when he zooms the camera 
written. It looks like someone like army crawling out. Like you can see an arm and a knee and everything. Yeah, it's like it's not like they were like on their hands and knees no. like crawling. They were like on their stomach, on the yeah. using their limbs, and it it looked like they were like slithering kind of. Yeah, it, it was like a white figure. But it's just it would have been a shadow if it was yeah in different lighting. But it was so creepy, and I never I've never seen something like it. And I'm like maybe that's the tentacle thing that people have seen, like that figure's legs or something. But I'm telling you, like at Waverly, if we had seen something crawling like that, I would have lost my mind. It's I never want to see something like that in person. I never ever want to see that. Like I want to go here. But you will not catch me messing with that. No. I don't really want to be on the fourth floor. No. (laughs) But anyway, that was just so creepy. And that's the last thing that happened on Paranormal Lockdown. But I think that was their first episode of that show ever, too. What a way to go. Yeah. I'm like, good for them for catching something crazy, though. So now moving on to the show Portals to Hell. This is Katrina's newer show that she's on with Jack Osborne. And... So they started their show, also meeting up with Rebecca Gleason, the owner. She kind of took them on a tour. And so the first they went to the second floor. And this is where they talked about Jane Harvey. She is a patient. They have actually found the documented the documents of her. So she's a real person. But they originally found out about her because people were contacting her and heard the name Jane being said in like EVPs and stuff. And she also reportedly told people that she harmed herself. And then Rebecca went to go look up this stuff and she found a detailed account of Jane Harvey committing suicide. She had like tied her neck, (laughs) trigger warning, skip ahead if you don't want to hear this. She had like tied herself up against her bed and then like leant for, like leaned forward, like very, but it was like actually documented. Like I was like, that's crazy. And they only found out about her because the ghost was telling people. So I'm just like, these people are really like, I want my name to be said. I want my story mm-hmm. to be told, which is also very cool that they're actually getting things that make sense and are not just like Zach Bagans making up a story about somebody because they heard a name or something. But anyway, then on the show, Rebecca took them to Ward F to all the seclusion rooms and you could she showed them that you could still see the damage on the doors from the men that were in seclusion in there. Like there's like fingers like pushed into the they're like metal doors heavy metal doors and like punches and everything and it's just very sad so then they went into dean metheny's room and she said that they've started to really see like a black figure outside the room which i think is probably a big gym but also dean i think also can be seen as a bigger black shadow figure but she said that it has increased more i don't know what year they went to this probably in like 2010s ish i don't think it was like super reason but i don't think it was super long time ago but one of the two men had that had murdered him had died recently i don't i tried to look up which one it was i couldn't find which one i'm assuming jim maybe yeah i mean if his spirit's there i would assume he's yeah which is just kind of strange and i'll talk about they talk about him a little bit later too but then they moved on this is just the tour that rebecca was giving them and then they went to floor four Ward T, and she said that a lot of people are touched on this floor and have gotten scratched. And so they brought a tour guide named Valerie, who was on other shows too, which I thought was cool. She was actually on Destination Fear as an interview, and she told she told this story. I didn't realize, but she said that she had been there one day doing a tour, and she got like a big scratch on her back, and it lasted for four days. And like she showed a picture, and it was like like a rectangular like big thing in the middle of her back. And then she went back the next day after that happened, and she had gotten three more welts on her arm like people were watching them form which was just like really creepy 
but if I was her I wouldn't go back but she's still working there all these years later like yeah and so I'm just like I like would love to be a tour guide at one of these places but I would also be so scared like I don't know how you become desensitized to that kind of stuff but people at Waverly love it so I'm like maybe someday you and I can (laughs) do that but so then Rebecca left and then Katrina starts researching which researched more about Dean Metheny and everything and like found all of their names and I think that's the first time that people really started to like say more investigators started to say their names about who it actually was everyone just kept calling it the bedpost murder which I was like just say their names like say his name at least but she suddenly pulls out a mask that was an art project made by one of the murderers like it was supposed to be his face on one side and on the inside it was like healing and like stuff it was very creepy art project and like terrifying it was like in a glass box and like very creepy and so she brought it with them later on and i'll tell you more about it but anyways she was like maybe we can use this for an experiment later boy did they so then they brought in a psychic medium named michelle and she was blindfolded and they were she didn't know where she was like they blindfolded her before she even got there and then she was just kind of walking around so first they took her to jane harvey's hallway and didn't say anything about who was supposed to be there and they were like we were told that there was like a suicide or something here like do you think this is the correct floor and she said yes like this is the correct floor that it actually did happen in and then she started to say like i'm seeing like light green or blue like on the walls or something and then she like was trying they were like trying to figure out what room it happened in i think and she was kind of like leaning towards a room and she's like i think it's this one they walk in the room the hallway had been pink the room she picked was light green like painted and she's like i feel like the walls are like badly painted and they were like decaying and everything so that was really creepy she didn't say anything else about her but i was like it's kind of nice that maybe she pinpointed a room that this happened in again i don't know how i feel about psychics but that was a thing and then they moved on to Dean Metheny because they were like, we really need to focus and like get this story like hashed out, like to know more about it. And they didn't tell her again yet what was going on in that room. And she like walked in and she was like, I'm picking up on a timid presence, like nonverbal, which is what Dean was like. And she's like, I feel like they're young, but maybe they're just like coming off that way. Like maybe they're not actually young. And, but they can also have like violent outbursts, like specifically describing Dean, which is very crazy. Yeah. And she's like, I'm feeling like something like hanging here, like all the way down to the floor. And she's like, like a body like shape on the floor, like very specific. And she just kept saying it's like, not like the spirit is still here but nonverbal. and then they like explained to her what happened she's like yep he is still here like that is what's happening wow. and like then they asked if his murderers have been there at all and she said at that point that his murderers have come by but didn't stay but i feel like maybe jim has become more present there as more people have come and like this is also probably early on like right after that happened and so i'm like and also, like, the more people that talk about him, yeah. the more his presence is going to be Exactly. There. So that was just, like, very specific and very creepy. And, like, that's all that happened with the psychic being there. But I was like, how spot on? Can How much more spot on can you get than that? Like, it was crazy accurate. There's there was a, lot, a of, lot of lightning. Yeah. <laughs> it's really adding to the vibe. Yes. It's very spooky. Sorry if you can hear rain or thunder. But anyway, so then they took the psychic michelle up to the fourth floor she was picking up on a very forceful intelligent spirit that was very imposing and assertive and she was like getting in katrina's face and being like she was saying like this thing is going to be like up on you and if you don't give it attention they might put their hands on you and give you some like fear and everything and she was like people come to this floor and experience scary things and that draws the energy like they want to experience scary things and she thinks that might be causing it to get more power Mm -hmm. 
because there's the crazy people like Paul that really want to be terrified and affected and want to experience ghosts in that way. So then Michelle left and then they were just going to investigate the Katrina and Jack. And so Katrina first went to Ward R on the fourth floor and Jack was going to Ward T and Katrina literally captured a disembodied voice of a child. Like it was scary. They didn't replay it or anything, but they were all like her and the cameraman were like, did you just hear that? Like, it was very creepy. And then she was trying to use some device and her battery died. And like, then it came up with a message saying, this is corrupt and it might not be, like, might not be need to be trusted or something. It was very weird. And Jack, when he was in the fourth, in the ward T on the fourth floor, he was trying to use a 3D mapping thing and that battery died at the exact same time. And the tech people were like, that's really weird. And so they just gave up on the location (laughs) and kept moving. And so then... The two of them went to Dean's room, and this is where they kind of ended their investigation. And so they set out a REM pod with some toys and candy around it, and then the REM pod went off a little bit, like, a bl- like I've never heard it, like, just blip, kind of. And then they were like, Dean, are you here? And then it went off again. Mm-hmm. And so then they were like, okay, if... The answer to these questions is yes, like light it up green. If it's the answer is no, just don't light it up. And so the, it was intelligently responding to like, did you die in this room? And like other similar questions. And then Katrina thought, this is a good time for me to bring out that mask. She puts, the, it had been answering, like consistently answering. She puts the mask in front of the Ren pod and it, no more answers came through. Like they had scared him away and they were like asking questions and it was not going off at all. And the second she put it away, it started going off again. Like they were feeling better and like, Dean was feeling better and then they went out into the hallway and they left the REM pod in there but they went on the hallway and were trying to use one of those 3D mapping things and like lit laser grid things and Katrina was like uh Dean if that was you can you come like walk in front of this so we can see you the REM pod went off and then they heard a door like shut and like they found Ooh. the door and like recreated the sound they're like yep that's that sound that just happened and it's very creepy but they were just like Good to know. Dean is here, like, still scared of it. And they, they just think that he's, like, reliving his death yeah. over and over, which is, like, so sad. But I think that's pretty good proof that Dean's spirit is still there, unfortunately. Yeah. But it's, like... I like that they used, like, methods for him to communicate non-verbally. Verbally, yeah. And I think when they talked to Michelle, the psychic, she was saying... They, like, asked, like, even though he's, like, non-verbal, like, if we say his name, do you think that will help? And she was like you can try that like it might be good for him to like hear his name and stuff and Mm -hmm. so I'm like that's and like they gave him like nice things and like candy and stuff and but that mask it was creepy I would have been creeped out even if I didn't know whose mask it was but now we're going on to Destination Fear to end us out we love Destination Fear we are big fans of Tanner and Alex let me tell you we're in love with them yeah if they wanted to ever marry us Double wedding. They're the people I would give. I would have a double. We're putting it out into the universe. Yeah. If you're listening to this, hit us up. (laughs) Our email is (laughs) (laughs) listen to the end. Oh but my gosh. we literally love. Also, just want to talk about their outfits in this episode. If you have never watched this show, you need to watch this show, especially if you're in your 20s and are interested yes. in ghost hunting. It's really nice to like watch people ghost hunting that are more our age. Yeah, love them. But this episode, unfortunately, so the on our show, it started just Dakota is the main person. He started on Ghost Adventures, but he usually just picks location and none of them know where they're going. Mm-hmm. But then he started to give control over to some of them to pick locations. And so Trans Allegheny was tanner's pick for this season and tanner unfortunately is wearing the shirt that was like red plaid on top but then like faded into like a black at the bottom and it was just not a cute shirt like if it had been an all black shirt or an all plaid shirt fine it was was just just an interesting choice yeah 
And then Dakota is wearing this like leopard in the light. Print. It's like red and black leopard, which it looks fine in the daylight. And then with the night vision on, he looked crazy. <laughs> it's incredible. Tanner makes fun of him for it, but but Alex looks good in this one. He's wearing like an acid wash black. I like that this has become like reviewing yeah. their style. We just had to because watching this episode, Dakota's shirt is just so ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe their picture will be on our Instagram post. It should probably be. will be. <laughs> but anyways, so. They went to Tanner surprised them all. They were Dakota was like, I'm waiting. I was saving this location for later, but guess we're going like we're still new at this. So anyway, to start off their investigation, Tanner and Dakota went to the medical center first and then Chelsea and Alex went to the main building. Also, it was so cute. Chelsea and Alex were Chelsea was like, I'm really glad I'm here with you. And Alex was like, me too. Like, <laughs> glad we're not alone. But uh, so when Tanner and Dakota started in the medical center, they this is like where a lot of the lobotomies took place. And so they went up to the second floor on it. They actually went to all the floors. And then they when they got to the second floor, they heard like a loud door squeaking, like it was being open or shut. And then they're like walking down this hallway with all these creepy doors open. And then Dakota, no, not Dakota, Tanner has the thermal camera and he sees like a black ball, like shoot from one room to another, like super fast. They were on the second floor of the medical center And after they heard the door squeaking and everything, then Tanner was using the thermal camera and they saw like a black ball shoot from one room to another. And because it was dark, that meant it's like freezing cold. And so it's not like a bird or something. And it was a circle. It was really weird looking. Yeah. So they were kind of like looking down the hall, looking down the rooms for this thing. There's no animals in anywhere. No birds. And so they were just like, that's really weird. And so then they decided that they were nothing else happened in the medical center. And so the two of them went back to the main building where Chelsea and Alex were. And Chelsea and Alex didn't really experience anything for a while. And so that's why I skipped over. I was like, they were there, but nothing had happened so yeah. far. And so when Tanner and Dakota got back in the main building, they went up to the fourth floor where that's where like... Nick had experienced something rushing up on him. They were sitting there and they heard rushing footsteps or banging like coming at them when they were up there. And so meanwhile, while they're there, Chelsea and Alex are in Dean's room on the third floor and they're sitting there. They whipped out the ovulus, which is this. They say it every time. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, an ovulus is like a device and it has like a dictionary kind of in it and spirits are supposed to be able to use the energy of of it to like pick out a word that they want people to hear which is more clear than like trying to depict a voice like they're picking an actual word and so they're like talking about dean's story and then they get the word story to come through and chelsea's like dean wants us to tell his story and everything and wants people to know who he is and then they're sitting there and alex's phone starts to ring and it is coming this is the creepiest thing this is what i'm ending on which also this thing clearly likes to mess with technology yeah he was doing that a lot in the other ones too yeah he checks his phone and it's a call coming from tanner they're literally one floor apart like they're not far from each other and they're like why is tanner calling he answers the phone puts it on speaker and it is like the creepiest sounding like weird whispers and voices it doesn't really sound human and they're like hello like thinking he butt dialed them or something and then it hangs up on them after a few seconds and they are like what the heck so they radio dakota and tanner and are like tanner why are you calling us and tanner's like i don't have my phone on me he looked so scared yeah like his face he was like i don't have my phone like like a baby you look like a baby i was like i don't have my phone like what are you talking about and dakota's like what like seriously like no he doesn't have his phone and they're like seriously alex is getting a call from tanner and they're like check your pockets and then alex gets another call from tanner and they're like guys tanner's literally calling me right now so they put that on speaker and it is more of the creepiest sounds like screeching into the phone chelsea's like this doesn't sound human and so they're all like panicking and then they're like we're going down to the gear room where tanner's phone was supposed to be 
they get down there his phone is sitting where he left it but the battery is dead and i literally don't understand so creepy how a spirit knew that that was tanner's phone and to call alex who wasn't with him yeah like how did you know that's who you should call like everything about it is so creepy and i hate it and that and I'm pretty sure Tanner tweeted, like, that's why I got a new phone. Like, I'm pretty sure he just got a whole new phone after that. I would, too. I wouldn't want my phone anymore. Like, what is going on I can't remember. Did he say if he had a lock on his phone? Like, a Yeah, password? he said he has a password and his, like, thumbprint on it. Like, you can't so get in like, it. And you can't get to your contacts without that. No. Like, it that's was so, so creepy. Like, it wasn't another person. Yeah. Like, it was something else. But anyway, that was just so terrifying. And then to end out their night, this is the last thing I have to say. So they all sleep in their own spaces. Dakota was in the lobotomy recovery room. Nothing happened to him. Absolutely nothing. He complains a lot, but nothing ever I really like happens to him. Uh, Alex slept in the medical center. And when he was there, he heard a very loud bang or a crash on the first floor while he was on the second floor. And that was like near the morgue, but he couldn't find anything that made that sound. So he was pretty shaken up. Nothing else happened besides that, but it wasn't very loud. And then Chelsea was on floor four in Ward T and she was like sitting there. She starts hearing noise down one end of the hall, like footsteps or something. And then her REM pod on her other side starts going up. And she's just like, something's playing with me. Like, that's so weird. And then finally, Tanner was in Ward F outside of Dean's room. And he had an ovulus out and it said Jim. And it took him a second, but he finally was like, Jim is a nickname for James. And James would kill Dean. And so then he got really bold and was like, James, Jim, I think it's really despicable what you did to Dean. And I'm just like, if that is a violent spirit, why would you he do that? He popped off. Yeah. So anyways, that's all the shows that I watched and the evidence I found in the research. But it makes me really want to go there. Yeah, it's crazy. And it sounds fun. <laughs> Not fun, but... Fun, but hist- like terrifying. Yeah. And like the history, I feel like people need to... And Oh, yeah. Chelsea was talking a lot on Destination Fear about how it's like talking about mental illness is becoming such a better... Like people are talking about it in a better way and like mm-hmm. treating it way better. And like, yeah, I'm really grateful for the way that things are happening now. And people aren't just being locked away and crammed into rooms and yeah. stuff. But... Wow. Anyways... That is so crazy. Yeah. Spooky. Spooky. Definitely recommend all of those episodes if you haven't oh, seen yes. them. Especially the paranormal lockdown. That figure that was crawling was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Goodness. And special shout out to Destination Fear. Yeah, we love them. Send this their way. <laughs> Seriously. So anyways. Well, check us out on Instagram. At Something Sick Podcast. And at, on Twitter. At A Sick Podcast. Or shoot us an email. At Something Sick Podcast at gmail.com. And we will see you next week. Bye, homies. Thank you.